You've got an amount of trust income. Whoever you confer a present entitlement upon to a share of that trust income, they will then pay tax on that proportionately unless you have streamed an amount to them. Now, if after you've done all the streaming and you've made beneficiaries presently entitled, if there is an amount left over that no one is presently entitled to, then the trustee will pay tax on that share of the net income of the trust. You're listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 403 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to DocuSign for sponsoring this episode. Division 6E Income. Division 6E Income is one of the income definitions you will need to contend with if and only if the trust you're working on streams capital gains and slash or frank dividends. When you stream, Division 6E gives you the adjusted Division 6E percentage for each beneficiary. That is the percentage of unstreamed income that each beneficiary received. What income that is, what different income definitions mean and how Division 6E works. This is what Robin Jacobson of the Tax Institute will discuss with you in this episode. So here's Robin Jacobson of the Tax Institute. When you have capital gains and frank dividends, are they always assessed via Division 115 and, and 207? Or are they only assessed through Division 115C and 207B if they are streamed? That's my first question. There's some good questions in there. So, gosh, when we look at income in a trust, we've got trust income, we have net income, we have Div 6 income, we have Div 6B income, we have accessible income, exempt income. There are so many different types and it's no wonder people get confused with all this. So let's break it down. We start with our trust income. Now, at its very core, your trust income, and we learned this from the Bamford decision in the High Court in 2010, it is what is deemed to be the income of the trust under trust law, applying trust law principles and concepts. Now, this is per the trust deed, but it also will include any powers that could be exercised by the trustee under the deed. So I've always described this as essentially three different types of income definitions in trustees. You've got your traditional trust law definition. So income is income, capital is capital. It doesn't change its character. So that would mean if a trust derives business income, dividends, rent, interest, that would all be treated as trust income. But a capital gain would be treated as trust capital because effectively it is a profit or a gain made on the sale of a capital asset. So that is trust capital. Now, if we instead had an equalization clause, this means that the income of the trust is equal to whatever it is for tax purposes. And you'll see different variations of this, but the common one is the trust income is equal to the net income of the trust under Section 95 of the 36 Act. And net income, and I know people will often talk about net profit, to me net profit is an accounting term, but net income is a defined term in Section 95. And it basically means the assessable income of the trust, the gross assessable income, less deductions equals taxable income. Taxable income is the same as net income in this context. So if you've got an equalization clause, then your trust income is equal to whatever it is for tax purposes. 
On the face of it, it sounds simple, but if you think about all the tax adjustments we have, different rates of depreciation, non-deductible expenses, franking credits, exempt income, deductions for prepayments potentially or other expenses such as the five-year write-off for startup expenses and so on, you may find that it actually creates more problems than it's tried to solve. And the ATO has a draft ruling. It's 2012D1. So yes, it has been in draft for well over a decade now. And that explains when they will accept that the trust income is equal to whatever it is for tax purposes, but with certain adjustments. In other words, there are some things they don't accept can be trust income, such as franking credits. The third type is a recharacterization clause. This is where the trustee has discretion to treat an amount as trust income or trust capital. Now, it could be worded to say the trustee can determine for each receipt or outgoing of the trust, whether it falls on income or capital account within the trust, or it may say something like, the income of the trust isn't equal to what it is for tax purposes under Section 95, so it looks a little bit like an equalisation clause, but then it could be followed by a comma unless the trustee determines otherwise. And if the trustee is going to determine otherwise, they would then record that decision to treat an amount as something else. So income is capital or capital is income by virtue of a resolution, and that would need to be done by the end of the income year. Just quickly coming back to TR 2012-D1, that TR says that franking credits are not income, even if the trustee treats it as income, correct? That is correct. So you might have an equalization clause, and we know that, of course, franking credits go into the taxable income of the trust. So an equalization clause would say, well, the trust income also includes the franking credits. The ATO's view is, An amount can only be included in trust income if it effectively increases the economic value of the trust. Now, we could all say, well, franking credits have economic value because they reduce our tax liability when we have the benefit of them. But a franking credit received by a trust effectively flows through the trust. It is attached to dividend income, flows through the trust, assuming it can be passed on to the beneficiary. So the ATO doesn't accept that franking credits, while they are accessible, and do form part of taxable income, they don't form part of trust income pursuant to that particular draft ruling. Why does the ATO care? Why does the ATO care whether it's in trust income or not? Because they've established some principles off the back of the Bamford decision. So think about the timing. We had Bamford in 2010, and then this ruling was issued in 2012. It was following the Bamford decision, there was a lot of confusion about, well, what is trust income? And It is important because you may be aware, of course, of the labels on the tax return that ask you for the income of the trust. And then in the distribution statement of each beneficiary, it talks about the beneficiary share of the net income of the trust. Now, I think the labels are something like, I think it's 55A and 56W, or it might be 56A and 57W. The labels keep moving with the years. Yes, I know. This year, it's 57 and 58. For 2023, it's 57 and 58. How long is it since I've looked at those labels? And the purpose of those labels is, in very simple mathematical terms, all the 58 W's will total what's in 57A. To put it another way, 57, sorry, rather 58 W divided by 57A into that beneficiary's proportionate share of the trust income. And then that is used to determine what is the amount of taxable income that they are assessed on. 
and that is a course the operation of Section 97 in the 36 Act. So what is in the income of the trust for that purpose becomes really important to establish that same share of the net income as assessed to the beneficiary. And there are other examples of things that do not go into the trust income. I would suggest, for example, if you make a capital gain from J5 or J6, which is where you use the small business rollover, you get to the end of two years and you've not bought a replacement active asset, so it triggers a capital gain. Again, it's a bit like franking credits. It is accessible. It forms part of the taxable income of the trust. But I struggle to see how that could be an accretion to the value of the trust, an accretion to trust income. And I think similarly, that would probably be excluded from the trust income, even though you might have an equalization clause. So my previously naive assumption that, yes, we have a new deed, hence trust income and net income will always be the same. That is naive and incorrect, even with a new deed that gives the trustee the relevant powers. Even with such a new deed, you will still have differences between trust income and net income, correct? Potentially. And sometimes it can be useful to almost run a four-column spreadsheet where you work out, well, what's my accounting profit? What's my taxable income? What's my trust income, which may or may not be the same as your accounting profit or your taxable income? And then potentially then putting the overlay of the commissioner's draft ruling 2012D1, because that could well modify the trust income that you've just worked out in that third column. And then ultimately it's what's in the fourth column that goes into those labels in the tax return. Division 115C and 207B, streamed capital gain and streamed frank dividends, are they still part of Section 95 net income or are they not part of Section 95 net income? All right. What we're doing is now combining two different tax acts, which makes it rather clumsy for practitioners. So let's set out our provisions. We've got Section 95 of the 36 Act, which is the net income of the trust, the taxable income. And of course, the taxable income will include taxable net applicants and also the frank distribution, so both the dividend and the franking credit. With your capital gain, just a reminder to all the listeners that we take the gross capital gain. We reduce it by the 15-year exemption if eligible. If not, then the capital losses are applied, then the CGT discount, then the 50% reduction from the small business CGT concessions. We may then be disregarding or reducing some of it through other concessions or rollovers. And then you're finally left with a net capital gain that is included in the accessible income of the trust. And then, of course, that gets passed on to the beneficiaries. So when we talk about streaming, this all reached ahead in 2011, where following the Bamford decision in 2010, there was concern that Bamford meant you're unable to stream for tax purposes. And many will recall through 2010-11, there was a lot of advocacy effort to get the government to understand that there was still a need to stream for tax purposes amounts such as capital gains and frank distributions. And so the streaming rules were introduced with effect from that 2011 year. And as you correctly pointed out, the way that you stream a capital gain is dealt with through subdivision 115C, and a frank distribution through a trust is dealt with through subdivision 207B. Now, the starting point with any trust is looking at the division six income. And the division six income includes that section 95 net income, And it's also the trust income. So when you look at Section 97, 
the beneficiary who's presently entitled to a share of the income of the trust is then assessed on that share of the net income of the trust. That's all within Division 6. If the deed allows it, and I'd expect most deeds would allow capital gain to be streamed because at their very core, a very basic discretionary trust will still have income and capital beneficiaries, depending on your definition of trust income. As to whether you can stream frank distributions, I think that would be something that would need to be actually spelled out in the deed. But that aside, assuming a deed allows the distribution to be streamed to a particular beneficiary, being a capital gain or a frank distribution, those provisions 115C and 207B accept that for tax purposes. So the wording they use is specific entitlement. And if I can explain the difference between that and present entitlement, Present entitlement is used in Division 6 and describes the entitlement, the vested and indefeasible interest that a beneficiary has in a distribution once they are made presently entitled to a share of the trust income. It's a trust law concept. Specific entitlement is a tax law concept. And if a beneficiary is made specifically entitled under 115C to a capital gain or under 207B to a frank distribution, then that can be streamed to them for tax purposes, meaning they get assessed on that capital gain or on that freight distribution. So when you go back to Division 6, which has all of the income of the trust, when we try to work out who proportionately gets assessed on the net income, we have something called the Adjusted Division 6E income. And the Adjusted Division 6E income basically takes the bits that have been streamed capital gain and or a frank distribution out of the Division 6 income. And then what you're left with is the adjusted Division 6E income, which is the original Division 6 trust income, less the amounts that have been streamed for trust law purposes, leaving you with the bit that hasn't been streamed. Then that's distributed to your beneficiaries. And then the proportionate approach, which came out of Banford, was confirmed in Banford, is then applied to that remaining balance that has been sent to all those beneficiaries on a proportionate basis. So in other words, they get assessed on the share of the net income. So if you're not streaming, you don't need to worry about the division 6E income. If you are streaming, then you take those amounts out of the div 6 income and you're left with the division 6E income, which is the, as I said, the gross amounts in div 6, less the amounts that have been streamed. It does get awfully complicated, but I think the important thing to mention is here, yes, those provisions still operate. The assessable amounts still feed into Section 95, but importantly, the tax law doesn't recognise any other types of income for streaming. So you can't stream foreign income or interest income or rental income, even if you wanted to give it to a particular beneficiary. It's still treated as having a, an overall share. So to me, streaming is a little bit like a fruit salad. I can take the chunks out of the bowl and give you a strawberry or give you a piece of watermelon or a piece of pineapple. But if we haven't got capital balance or frank distributions, it's just fruit juice. And it's all blended in together. And I can't separately identify rent from interest from foreign income or business income for tax law purposes. And if I have frank distributions and I have capital gain, but I don't stream for whatever reason, then division six income equals division six E, correct? Effectively, you wouldn't need to go into Division 6E because you're not streaming anything. So if you're not streaming, 
then those rate distributions and capital gains will simply form part of the overall trust income. You distribute on a regular basis and whoever gets a share of the trust income, but without regard to any particular class of income, then gets assessed proportionately on that share of the net income. Let's say we have some capital gains we stream and some capital gains we don't stream. Then the capital gain we don't stream stays in the Division 6 slash Section 95 income. Well, it's always in the Section 95 income because that will always be the taxable income of the trust overall. Work out through Division 6 is who do we assess that Section 95 amount to based on whoever gets a share of the Division 6 or adjusted Div 6E income. Before I ask my question, here's a quick word from our sponsor, DocuSign. Last year, our accounting firm was hacked. Okay, I'm going to admit it. My password was password. I thought about going back to old school paperwork, but then I heard about DocuSign. It has the highest global security standards with round-the-clock activity tracking, keeping digital agreements confidential. So now we're on DocuSign and no one's cracking my password. And no, it's not one, two, three, four. Sign up for your free trial at docusign.com.au. Next time, DocuSign. So that means Section 95 net income always includes all ordinary income and all statutory income. Um, it doesn't include franking credits, but it includes everything else. So Section 95 is all taxable income of the trust. Yes, it is. Heidi, yep. can I just take yep. you back? I, did you ask me about that it's a Division 6 amount or it's a Section 95 amount? What's the difference between Section 95 and Division 6? Section 95 is your taxable income. Division 6 amount I'm using to describe the trust income. So you said it includes statutory amounts. I just, I was replaying what you said and whether we we're talking about Div 6 or Section 95. So you are saying Division 6 is actually the trust income? Effectively, yes. It's not defined per se, but when we're looking at who has a share of the income of the trust, it will only include statutory income, for example, if there was an equalisation clause or a recharacterization, because statutory income, like a capital gain, isn't necessarily trust income. Okay. So I'd be getting too complicated for the for the discussion, but... <laughs> yes, oh gosh. I hope our listeners are smarter than me. So we have Section 95 income, and that includes all capital gains and all frank dividends, but not franking credits. No, I would include the franking credits as well because they're taxable. Okay. So that means Division 6 trust income doesn't include franking credits, but Section 95 income includes franking credits. That's right. Then we look at whether we stream or not. If we stream, then those amounts get allocated through Division 115 and 207. And then we have our Division 6E income, and that basically now includes our Section 95 income less anything that got streamed. No, no, it's the Division 6 income. It's the trust income less the streamed amounts. All we're trying to do by adjusting Div 6 to get to the Div 6E amount is reduce the trust income by the amounts that have been streamed for trust law purposes. So we're then left with, for example, the business income, the rent, the interest, foreign income, and then that is sent out to the beneficiaries. And then depending who gets a share of that, they then pay tax on the Section 95 amount proportionately. So Division 6E is Division 6 less streamed amounts. Yes. If I have some capital gains that I streamed and some capital gains that I didn't stream, then the capital gains that I didn't stream are in Division 6E. That's right. The capital gain that I did stream 
is not in Division 6E. Yes. So effectively, the one you have streamed goes out to the beneficiary through 115C, and the bit that's unstreamed is just shared proportionately amongst all the beneficiaries who get a distribution from the trust income. So in Section 95, you basically ask what's the income, and in 115, 207, and then also in Division 6E, we basically ask who got what. Yes. Section 95 is the taxable income, and we're just trying to find out who pays tax on that. And that is assessed to whoever got a share of the trust income. The trust income may be streamed, and if it is, then the streaming provisions would assess those beneficiaries on that part. The bit that's not streamed, then the Section 95 bit that's left over, because the streamed amounts have already been taken out, they would then be assessed to whoever gets a share of the unstreamed amount. That proportionate approach amount, that is Division 6E, you know, your share of Division 6E income? Yes. You would take your share of the... So whatever you've been streamed, you pay tax on that. We put that to one side. Yeah. Then of the adjusted Division 6E income, whatever share you get of that, so let's say you get a third of that income, you would then be assessed on one third of whatever is left in the taxable income that hasn't been streamed. So it's basically your share of Division 6E income divided by total Division 6E income, and that percentage is then applied to any income that nobody is presently entitled to, but that is in Section 95, correct? No, it's not that they're not presently entitled. They are presently entitled because they've got a share of the adjusted Div 6E income. But that proportion that we just worked out, so their share of the trust income that hasn't been streamed, divided by the total trust income that hasn't been streamed, multiplied by the amount of taxable income that also hasn't been streamed. Now, if after all of that, no one's presently entitled to an amount, then that proportionate share of the taxable income is assessed to the trustee under 19 a It's not that they're not presently entitled. You've got an amount of trust income. Whoever you can set a present entitlement upon to a share of that trust income, they will then pay tax on that proportionately unless you have streamed an amount to them. Now, if uh, after you've done all the streaming and you've made beneficiaries presently entitled, if there is an amount left over that no one is presently entitled to, then the trustee will pay tax on that share of the net income of the trust. If it's, for example, an ineffective distribution, an invalid distribution, so you've attempted to distribute to someone, but you didn't do it properly, why? Maybe they're not an eligible beneficiary. Maybe you didn't do it by June 30. Maybe you gave a capital distribution to someone who's actually an income beneficiary and, and they weren't entitled to it. These are all sorts of reasons why the beneficiary may not be presently entitled. And if that occurs, you may find the trustee is being assessed. But most of the time, people try to ensure that trustees aren't paying tax because of that high marginal tax rate. Robin Jacobson of the Tax Institute. So you only worry about Division 6E if you stream. Thank you for listening and thank you to DocuSign for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. Music